Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. That I receive my sight. And now... I am happy all the day. Must Jesus bear his cross alone. And all this world go free. This world go free. Know that a cross
We'll be having our men gathering and talking to the men about how we should be leaders and priests of our own houses and how we have uh, made a mess of things concerning Adam and that we as, as men after Adam's similitude have walked in the same steps that Adam did, and we need to get back in step with God. So let us not forget on next Tuesday, we'll be having the men gathering on next Tuesday for 6.30. Let us begin reading from chapter 23 of Second Samuel, verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruled over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun rises, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he had made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as stones thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear. And they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanites that sat in the seat chief among the captains. The same was Adonai, the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahatite. The Ahite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to Spurl. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, a Harahite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. And three of the thirty chiefs went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Agilom. And a troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in a hole. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me of drink, give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zorah, was chief among three. And he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them and had the name among three. Was he not most honorable of the three? Of three? Therefore he was their captain. Howbeit he attained not unto the first three. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Cabizel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a godly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. But he went down to him with a staff 
and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and had the name among three mighty men. He was more honorable than the thirty, but he attained not to the first three. And David set him over his guard. Asihel, the brother of Joab, was one of, of, of the thirty. Elahan, Elhanan, the son of Doda of Bethlehem, Shama, the Hardite, Elaka, the Horadite, Helaz, the Pelatite, the Pelatite, Ira, the son of Ekesh, the Tekoite, Abiezer, the Adnotite, Mebuna, the Hushelite, Zalman, the Ahite, Mahara, the Neptolite, Helab, the son of Bama, the Neptolite, Atah, the son of Rebiah, out of Gibeah, of the children of Benjamin, Benaiah, the Perihite, the Perinite, Hadiah, of the brooks of Geash, Ablaban, the Arabatite, Asmavet, and Bahamet, Elabah, the Sholemite, of the sons of Joash, Jonathan, Shama, the Hariite, Ahaman, the son of Shara, the Hariite, Eliphleth, the son of Abishai, the son of the Machanite, Eliam, the son of Ahedophel, the Gilanite, Hariah, the Carmelite, Pariah, the Abite, Igal, the son of Nathan, of Zobah, Menai, the Gadite, Zilak, the Ammonite, Nara, the Berahite, Armabariah, to Joab, the son of Zerah. Aran, Aran, Ararite, Gerab, and Ararite, Uriah the Hattite, 30 and 7 in all. We read Second Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 to verse 39. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading here and do of his holy word. A chapter where David is speaking concerning the men that stood by his side. The men that, that, that was there through thick and thin, through ups and downs, these men stayed at David's side. And it's always good to know that you have someone that will be with you when you're down, not just when you're up, but also when you're down. When you're at your greatest need, it's good to know that you have somebody that you can depend and lean on. And so David is given credence. He's given He's given these men some props. In chapter 24, he, he talked all about what God had done for him, how God had delivered him, and what all God had meant to him, how he was his, his, uh, his salvation, and how he was his buckler and his shield, and all these different things that, that, that David had said that God had been to him throughout his lifetime. Now in this chapter, we're seeing David giving credit to the men who stood by his side. You know, we need to learn how to give credit to people. The Bible the Bible says, give, give honor to whom honor is due. We got to honor people who stand by our side, who's there for us. You know, regardless of how successful a person is, they didn't get there by themselves. They had somebody to help them up that ladder. They had somebody to help them along the way. Somebody opened up doors. Somebody, God taught somebody hard to open up that door for them. And so the same way that, that we give thanks to God, we got to also give thanks to people. Because God uses people. The Bible says God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so what he does, he uses his Holy Spirit to encamp in the hearts of men, to move upon their hearts, to help the people of God. And when people is there to help you and be there for you, you need to learn how to give these people credit for what they do. Don't just say, oh, I thank God. You know, it was nobody but God. Yeah, it was nobody but God, but God worked through what? People. God worked through people. What did, what did uh, the, the, uh, Jesus say in the book of Luke? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto your bosom. And so we need people. We need people. If, if, if God wasn't going to use people, what was the sense of him creating Adam? What's the sense of him having people in this world? 
to be witnesses for him. If he didn't need people, God uses people. And the people that God used, yeah, we give God, we give God the honor and the glory. But we also got to learn how to give credit to the people that God uses. I hear sometimes, you know, when you, when you see some people in a church, oh, oh, pastor, you really preached a good message. God really, really used you to this. Yeah, God used a man and speak through him to bless his people. And so this is what David is doing. David is giving credit to those people who was with him. Now, as we read all of those different names and they were telling what tribe or where these people come from, if you realize none of these people was Israelites, None of these people were from the tribe of Israel. These people here was, 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 was not Hebrews. There was, was Gentiles. There was not Hebrews. But there was there to help the man of God. There was there to help David. There was there to help God's servant. And that's funny how you can get people on the outside of the church to be of more help to you than those that's inside the church. You find people on the outside give the church more respect than the people on the inside of the church respect one another. And so all of these people at their name, these people was not Israelite. These people were Gentiles. But they respected David and looked up to him to the point that they wanted to follow him. And so if we live our, our lives according to how God uh, warned us and walked before men upright, then people would be willing to follow us. But when they see us smoking, drinking, lying, cussing, and doing all things, don't nobody want to follow that. People is trying to find a way to get out of that. They're already doing that. And so we got to show people a what? A better way. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. No man can come unto the Father except he come by me. And so this is what David is saying here. David is, is, is saying that the Lord spoke to him. The Lord spoke to him. And his word was what? In his tongue. He didn't speak nothing no more than what God had told him to say. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruling over men must be just. Ruling in the fear of God. The first thing he got to be is just. He got to be just. He can't, he can't be partial. He can't just judge on the side of the people he likes. He just can't say things to people who like what he said. He has to say, he said, what I say to one, I say to all. Everybody got to have, hear the same word. One God, one faith, one baptism. It all got to be in, in, in unison. That's why we find so many church problems with churches. Oh, my church, we don't do that thing. Oh, our church don't, 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 don't speak. Well, our church don't. Well, if, if it's in the Bible and every church is designed According to God's word, how come all of these churches are so different? If it's supposed to be the church of the living God, regardless of whether it's a Methodist, a Baptist, a Lutheran, a, a church of God in Christ, church of God, regardless of what it is, it God all got to come from where? The word of God. So how come this one don't do this, but that one do that? This one don't believe in music, but that one do believe in music. When the 150 Psalms say, let everything that has breath, Praise ye the Lord. And we got all these different sayings and all these different beliefs and all these different things that coming in our churches that's causing all kind of confusion when David said that the word of the Lord was in his tongue. One word. One word. Not no different word. One word. And he shall, and he shall be what? Just. Ruling in the fear of God. You got to be just. You can't be partial. You can't like somebody because they disagree with what you're saying. You can't talk about this one and pat the other one on the back. My late pastor used to say, in Christ there's no big you and no little me. Everybody's the same. We all got to be, be the same in the Lord. And we do, we do just ruling. Why? Because we have fear of God. And he's not talking about fear with trembling. He's talking about in respect of God. If you respect the word of God, if you respect God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you have respect for this, then you'll respect, you'll respect people. Why? Because we made in God's image and after his likeness. And we're not, we're not the pastor people. We're God's people. A lot of times you, see, you hear these pastors talking about, oh, that's my people. 
Oh, we got this and we got these many people. Oh, you know, my people is in my... No, none of us, none of us belong to the pastor. We all belong to God. You ain't find one pastor yet that hung on the cross to die for our sins. And even if they did, they wasn't worthy enough to die for sin to take the sins from the world. So our, 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 our glory goes to God, but we also give credit to who? To men. And he shall be as the light, as the light of the morning when the sun rises, even the morning without clouds as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after the rain. In other words, grass, flowers, whatever it is, it needs it need nourishing. It needs it need water. After water, it has to have sunshine. If you have sunshine without water, what happens? The flowers, the grass, it all withers because it has no nourishment. It has no water. It has to have nourishment. And so what he's saying is the word, it grew in him. He, 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 he matured through it as grass or flowers mature through the earth when it has rain, when it has some type of nourishment. We have to be nourished in the word of God. Man should not live by bread and bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. And right before that verse, what he was saying? That the word of the Lord was what? In his tongue. You got to have it inside. Can't just be head knowledge. You got to be in the heart. That word, O oh Lord, that I hid in my heart, that I sin not against thee. David is saying here in verse 5, Although my house be not so with God, yet he had made with me an everlasting covenant, Ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. Now, what are you saying here? He said, although my house is not in the order that it should be in, God has made an everlasting covenant. One thing about God, he can't go back on his word. He said, before one child until my word fall to the ground, heaven and earth shall pass away, but me and my word shall stand forever. We may go back on our word, but God is not going to go back on his word. He said God made an everlasting covenant with him. He knew his house wasn't always in order. He knew he didn't always do things right. But one thing about David, he remained faithful. He may have not done everything right, but he remained faithful to God. And when God sent the man of God, Nathan, to his house to tell him concerning his sins, David, he confessed. He confessed that he had sinned against God and against heaven. He repented. Why is it that people think that they don't have to repent and turn away from what they have, have been doing in order for to please God? Just because we come to church, that's not the thing that pleases God. What pleases God is our obedience. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And some people think because they come and pay tithes, they put up some money, sing in a choir, or play instruments in the church, or whatever auxiliary they're working in, they think that, that that's it. We can't work away our sin. You don't work away sin. We can't work away it. In the book of Ephesians, you say, look, it was not done through work. It was done through grace by faith that we got saved. He said, at least any man should boast. And you find a lot of people boasting in the church about auxiliaries they work in, and, and they go out to feed the hungry, they do this, that, and the other, and all of these different things. But what Jesus say, in that day when you stand before me, say, I know you not, for you're a worker of iniquity. It's not, it's not the work that we do. It's not the work that we do in the auxiliaries. It's the obedience that we have with God concerning his word. He said, although my house be not so with God. He repented. He, he said to you, my house always haven't been right. You know, a lot of times we like to think that our house and we always right. We didn't did everything right and this, that, and the other. But no. Somewhere in your house, somewhere inside of you, needs some attending to. You need some attending to somewhere in your life. He said, but God had made an everlasting covenant. Ordered in all things, not some things, but in all things. And sure, ain't no doubt about it, God is sure. All of God's promises is yea. They all are sure. Ain't no doubt about it. 
If God didn't say it, he can perform it. Verse 6 said, but the sons of Belial shall be all of them as stones thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. You can't trust people that don't believe in God, that don't serve God, don't worship God. Sons of Belial means people that's anti-Christ. Sons of Belial means that people that, that, that's of, the, of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We live in the same, on the same earth, same planet with people who know God as well as people who don't know God. And when you stand here, you can't trust the ones who don't know God. Some people is, is, is under disguise in the church and try to make you think that they know God because they know a few scriptures. They sing songs so, so wonderful and make you think that they know God and fool you and draw you right out of the church. And before you know it, you didn't join covenant or join leagues with the devil, with the enemy. And then it's too late. Girl, this man I didn't marry, Lord, I thought he was so saved. I thought he was this. Girl, I didn't. I got the devil in my house. But it's too late. Don't, don't be thinking that a person just because they're in the church mean that the church is, don't mean that the church is in them. And so he's saying that, that those that are below people who don't walk the same, don't talk the same, don't believe the same, don't trust God the same, these are sons of Bilal. And when you're dealing with them, you got to be careful because they're like thorns. And you can't handle no thorn with your bare hands. You better have some gloves or something on to handle it because they're going to prick your finger, your hand, going to cut you. you. You'll get away from it. Look what he said, because they cannot be taken with hands. You can't trust them. You can't handle them with your bare hands. And so this is what they're saying about people who don't know God. It's not living for God. You can't handle them people with your bare hands. You can't, you can't deal with them. Because sooner or later, some kind of way, they're going to hurt you. If you put your hand in, in a rose bush into, into some thorns, you put your hand in there, sooner or later, you're going to draw it back because you're going to get stuck. It's going to hurt you. And just out of natural reflex, you're going to draw your hand away from it. Why? Because they cannot be taken with hands. You can't go do no garden where they got rose bushes at. Talking about you're going to do your garden and you don't have no gloves on dealing with some rose bushes. Because those stones are going to, going to prick your finger, your hand, and before you know it, you're going to be needing some attendant if it, if it gets infected. And that's what people do. They infect the church. They infect the hearts and the minds of people who's trying to live right and walk with God. So you got to be careful. Don't ever think, you know, you didn't find, I, I heard where a lot of young ladies married guys that's not saved, that's out in the street or whatever, thinking that they're going to change them. You're not going to change them. If God don't change them, you're not going to change them. You're not going to change them. And before you know it, they, they, they're at the church crying. They want people to pray for them. They're calling the prayer line. They want, they want their prayer partner to pray with them about this and pray with them about that. When the Bible explicitly tells us, be not unequally yoked with a non-believer. But yet we go and, and, and join league with them, thinking that we're going to change them. And the Bible said they're like stones. You can't handle them with your bare hands. Your heart gets broken. You got headaches. You got disappointments. All of these things is like bones in your side. Verse 7 says, But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and it shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. Now he's saying that you have to have some type of tools to deal with these type of people. And what is the tool that the church has? The word of God. Right? The Bible said the word is like a two-edged sword. You better get yourself and arm yourself with some word. You, have, you better arm yourself with some word because guess what? The devil know the word. You have some people that sit in the barroom every day, every night, out on the corner. Know just as much about the Bible than people who sitting inside the church. Can outquote you with scripture and make you think that they got it all together until you put your hands on those stones. He said, if you're going to deal with them, you better make sure. You better make sure that, that when you touch them, you must be fenced with iron and the staff. The weapons of our warfare, 
They are not carnal, but they are mighty true God to the putting down of strongholds and plucking up vain imaginations. You don't realize the thoughts and things that run through people's minds that don't know God. In the book of Genesis, what did God tell Noah? Say, look, uh, get, get the ark together. Because the imagination of man's mind is nothing but continually evil. That's all they think about is evilness. Noah, the Bible said, was a man of righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness. They're the only family that, that was walking with God, that, that trusted God, that believed in God, prayed to God, worked with God, brought the house up in the Lord. And so he went to Noah and said, Noah, get your house together. Build her up. He said, I'm going to bring rain down on the earth. Because man's mind is continually evil. That's all they're thinking about. And so what they're saying here, the man that touched them shall must, must, must be fenced with iron and the stamp of a spear. And it shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. Why? Because the thoughts of man is continually evil. That's all they think about it. And every time you listen at the news, it's always bad news. That's why they call the Bible good news. Blessed are the feet of them that carry the, 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 the gospel of, of glad tidings, right? Why? Because they're bringing good news. Good news, how to get you out of the mess that you got yourself in. How you can be saved, how you can be delivered. How you can get God to work on your behalf. How you can be the head and not the tail. You can be above and not beneath. How your whole house could be blessed. Good news. Even though it may not be in your house right now, he's giving you some good news that you can get through some things. But everything we hear on the news, on the TV is what? Bad news. Bad news. Bad stuff about the, the, the upcoming election, about the two candidates, the Republican and Democrat. If you're interested in God, don't trust in no Republican or Democrat, because both of them got bad stuff going on in their lives. Or either you're hearing... The, some stuff going on in the school where teachers that had a sexual relationship with the students. Nothing but bad news. You don't know what to trust. The Bible says, put not your trust in man, but put all your confidence in God. But the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear. And this shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. Now, when God had called Moses, he had what? All he had was, with him was a staff. And the same staff that, that, he, that he, he hit the rock and gave water, the same staff that he put over the, the Red Sea and it parted and it went through on dry ground. You had to have your, 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 your staff and your spear. You had to have the word. You had to have something. That, that, that God could work with. And God works through his word. Verse 8 says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. These are the people who David had. That's bad when you can't trust in people in the church. People who are supposed to be saved. You got to go outside to get somebody that you can trust in. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Now the people who was over these people, they was Israelites, but the people who was under them, these mighty men who went out to battle the fight, these men was not Israelites. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. It wasn't just any kind of man. It was mighty men. The Tachmonites, that sat in the seat chief among the captains. The saying was Adonai, the Isnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Now, he didn't say the men that was with him. They say he did this. At one time, he did this. 800 men. Now, we're talking about the power of God working through a man. Uh, in the book of Judges, they talk about Samson, how he slew thousands of Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. Not a sword, but the jawbone of an ass. He killed 10,000 men with a, with a jawbone of an ass. 
Here, this guy here, Adonai, the Esnite, he lifted up his spear, not they, his, talking about singular here, against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him, talking about one person, after him, after he did his thing, that's going to show you, God can work to any and everybody if you give yourself to him. We always want, oh, oh, bring him, oh, he can preach good. Oh, bring this when they can sing good. Oh, bring that when they know how to do this. God can work through you too. Stop thinking so little of yourself and putting yourself down and building other people up where the same God that used them is the same God that can use you too. Only if you want to be used. Some people are so afraid that they're going to make a mistake. But you know something? The only people who make a mistake is the people who's doing something. If you're not doing nothing, I guarantee you'll never make a mistake if you ain't going to do nothing. If you're just going to sit like a frog on a log, you don't have to worry about making a mistake. Because all the people who are doing something have the opportunity to make a mistake in what they're doing. But God don't need spectators. God is looking for participators in the services. We're not here to be entertainers. We're here to do what? Give service to God. And he said, if you go out and work in the vineyard, he said, then I'll pay you. He said, whatever is right, I'll pay you. Doesn't matter what time of the day you go. He said, but as long as you go, I'm going to pay you. The Tachmonite that sat in the sea, chief among the captains, the same, the same person was Adonai, the Esnite. Not an Israelite, he's an Esnite. That's not in, from any of the tribes of Israel. He lifted up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. <laughs> this battle didn't go backwards and forward. This was one big battle with one man killing 800 people. Everybody who came up against him fell at his spear. Verse 9 said, After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Orahite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Ain't that something? What church at? They're gone away. Where the people of God at? Oh, they gone. Well, who are them people? Oh, oh, they just come. They come to help the church. But where the church at? These people was not Israel. They didn't have no, no, no horse in this in this race. They had no dog in this fight. But they believed enough in David. How David gave himself to God. How David was 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 honorable and how he was valiant. And how he was brave enough to stand before this, this giant. It all started with the giant that he killed. That's where it all started at. David didn't have nobody with him on that mountain. The only thing that was on the mountain when he was a shepherd boy was the sheep and God. When he played all of those songs and made those songs to God, nobody was on that mountain with him but the sheep and God. Nobody knew anything about David. They knew about David's brothers who was in the army. They knew about Saul. They knew about Jonathan, but they didn't know nothing about David. Even his own brothers didn't believe in him. When he came out there, when his father sent him out there to bring some, some food and some drink out there to him, they said, what you doing out here? Why did you leave them little sheep that you've been watching? What you doing out there? Nobody believed in him. But when God used him to slay that giant, People began to believe in David. People began to follow David. They made a song of David. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. People began to cheer David more than they cheered the king. <laughs> These people was not Israelites. This is the thing here that amazes me, how people on the outside of the tribe of Israel the God's chosen people, they was going away. 
But these people who was not Israelite, they hung in there against some insurmountable odds. Here, one man killed 800 people by himself. They're going to show you that God don't need a whole lot of people to get things done that he won't done. And a lot of people make excuses, well, we didn't have enough people to get this done. We didn't do this, or we didn't have that. But here, this man killed 800 people by himself. And they say, after him came Eleazar. That's all you need is somebody to stand up. The rest of the people are going to get some courage too. Then you'll find other people say, oh, I want to help. I don't mind doing that. But you got to start somewhere. David Tam started when he killed Goliath. Everybody got to start from somewhere. You hear old folks used to say you got to crawl before you walk. But everybody want to want to walk or run before they even start crawling. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Arhite, one of the three mighty men that was with David. Wasn't of David, wasn't of the tribe of Israel. He was with David. When they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel, they was gone away. That's the thing that gets me. That's the thing that gets me. That, that, that's all to be an embarrassment. See, they're fighting for the land that God gave them. They're fighting to, 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 root, to, root, to root out all of all of, uh, the non-believers, more or less. All the people who believed and served idol gods. God told them, say, when you give them that land, get them all out. Don't let your sons marry their daughters, and don't let your daughters marry their sons, because they're going to draw you from it. So God was using these people to rip these people out. But here the people of God, they were going away. They weren't even in the fight. People who didn't have a dog in the fight or a horse in his race, they stayed there to fight with David. That's the thing that gets me. That's the thing that's so amazing to me. People who have nothing to gain from this is willing to stand with the church. Verse 10 says, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was wearied and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. Didn't we just say from the outset that God uses people? Yeah. Now they say the Eleazar fought the Philistines until his hand was weary. But it goes on to say that it was the Lord who wrought the great victory that day. So how, how did Eleazar do this? Through the power of God. Through the power of God. And the thing about it, look at the, look at the power and the strength God gave him. His hand was weary, but he couldn't get the sword out of his hand. His hand clubbed to the sword, like it was like it was branded in there. His hand falls up in that in that position with the sword in it. His hand just his hand just just falls on it. His hand was stuck to that sword, constantly swinging it to and fro. The same way the word of God says, it, it, it's like a two-edged sword going to and fro, back and forth. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season thou shalt reap if you faint not. If you don't get tired in this battle. The battle belongs to the Lord, and the victory is ours. All God wants us to do is what? Take a stand. Right? And Paul said, after you have done all to stand, stand. With your loins going about, huh? Helmet of salvation, feet shot with the preparation of gospel of peace. We got to have our weapons of, of the warfare.
He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clave unto the sword. Now that's something. If your hand is weary, it's all cramped up, it's, it's tired, it's hurting. First thing you want to do is get that thing out your hand so you can give your hand some kind of, but the Bible said that it clamped to the sword. The sword and the hand became one. How are we supposed to be with God? One. One God, one faith, one baptism. We're supposed to be one with God. One with the word. He don't want us to be divided. The Bible says a house that divides against itself, it can't stand. And it's bad when you get people in the church fighting one another, talking about one another. Go to the other side of the church to keep from speaking to somebody on this side of the church. When we're supposed to be one. The Bible says, if any man therefore be in Christ. So if I'm in Christ and you're in Christ, if we're all in that same body, one body, but many members, and we're all in the same body, we're supposed to be working in unison one with another. One hand washes the other hand, right? So how come we can't see eye to eye? How come we can't get along in the body of Christ? We have more battles in the church with one another than we have with people on the outside. His hand was weary, but his hand clave unto the sword. His hand and the sword became one. He couldn't let it go. He couldn't let it go. It stuck to him. If we can get the word to stick to us like that, if we can clave to the word like that, my God, what a mighty work can we do? But we sit in the four walls. We don't go out to battle in the, in, in the vineyard. We don't have no tent revivals. We don't even have church revivals. All we want to do is just stay inside the four walls with our suits and our pretty ties and outfits on and look cute to one another. While, while children is getting killed out on the street, families is being torn apart with drugs and violence and all kinds of chaos, but we're in here clapping our hands, singing our songs, putting up money and going home, and nobody's being saved. The Lord told Jeremiah, he said, look, is there not a bomb in Gilead? Is there not a physician in the city? He said, then how come the health of my people is not healed? How come they're not healed? If there is a bomb, if there is a physician, then why is nobody working on the, on the, on the, on the pains in our society, the destruction that's in our cities? Because we want to sit in the four walls and talk about the ones on the outside the four walls and clap our hands and look cute to one another. The sword clave unto his hand, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day. You don't have to worry about what you can do, what you can't do. It's the Lord who's going to be working in you and through you. And we only want to go out into the field. That's what people who want to go out into the field. I remember from the time that we had been in a nursing home, going over there to the, to the nursing home, they had some of them old people accepted Christ as their Savior. Before they died and went on to glory, they accepted Christ as their Savior. Now just think if nobody was willing to go to those nursing homes and preach the gospel and bring God into those nursing homes, some of them same people who didn't, didn't know God, what do you think could have happened to them when they, if they'd have died and passed away without him being in their life? Somebody got to be willing to go out. We announce it every Sunday about mission. Just like I heard the preacher say, some of these churches need to take missionary off of their building. Because nobody's going out into the field to be doing no mission work. But the New Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. Why you call yourself a missionary if you're not doing no mission? You don't go feed the hungry. You don't go visit the sick. You don't go to the jailhouse. You don't go to the nursing home. You don't go do none of these things that God requires of us to do 
But yet you call yourself a mission, a missionary church. And ain't no mission going on. The only mission is inside the four walls. Entertaining one another. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. What is the greatest victory God can do in the church? The salvation of the souls of men. That's the greatest victory of all. That men be saved. That's the reason Christ died on the cross. That's why they sent the Son into the world. The Bible said God gave the Son, and the Son gave his life. And the Bible said, whosoever believed in him will not perish but have everlasting life. How could people believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear about him without a preacher? And how can he preach except he be sent? Somebody got to go out and do some missionary work. Somebody got to go out and do some missionary work so men might be saved. People are not being saved because they're not having an opportunity to hear. They're not hearing because nobody want to go out. And the Lord, the Lord, not the, not, not the man, not Eliezer, not David, but the Lord wrought a great victory that day. Why? Because somebody was willing to take a stand and fight the enemy. Somebody was willing to go out on the battlefield and fight the enemy. We sit in the house and we talk about the crimes that's going on in the community. We talk about this and we talk about that, but nobody's getting up off their seat to go and do anything about it. Everybody's sitting on their seat of do nothing and talking about it. Well, we're supposed to be about it. The church got a great power, but we let the power gain rust. The power is gaining rust. It's getting weak because we're not putting it to use. The Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to Spurl, which means that the, 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 the victory to the victors goes to Spurl. And so those that the people who went out there and fought and got a victory over the Philistines, whatever valuables that there was left on the battlefield, they took it to themselves. That was the sparrow. That was what they gained from the victory. Not the killing of the people's lives, but, but, but the, the, uh, the expensive things that they still had uh, upon them. The sword, the, the, the armory, uh, the money, the cups, whatever it is, the gold, the silver, whatever they had, they sparrowed it. To the victory, to the victors, goes the sparrow. And so they gained all of these things from the battle that they won. And so what is this saying? That when we go out, God will not only give us the victory, but we're going to get it, we're going to have a great gain from it. The Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. He that wins souls are wise. We gain something from it. That's, that's the fruit of our labor. When a soul gets saved, when a person accepts Christ, that's the fruit of our labor. That let us know that we did a great work. God wrote a, wrote a great work through us that day. When somebody got up and said, I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be baptized. I want to reunite myself with the church. I want to recommit myself. That's a great victory that, you, that God then wrought that day. Because God then worked through this individual to touch that person's heart that they got up and said, I need a change in my life. And so after the victory, the people returned after him only to spurl. The spurl means the valuable that was left after the battle. Whatever the Philistines had owned, whatever they had, whatever silver, whatever valuables, the people who fought out there on the battlefield, they took it home to themselves. To the, to the victors goes the spurl. And so this is what God wants to do. He wants to reward us. He want to reward us. He want to bless us for the work that we are willing to do when we go out into the vineyard, when we go out and fight the good fight of faith. So we thank God for our lesson on tonight. We do pray that something was said in the lesson that caught our attention and caused us to want to, to be more about the, 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 the work, be more about going out and doing something to lift up the name of, of Jesus, getting people saved, encouraging people's hearts 
that they can be better. They can do better. God had more form in store than what, what they have. Some people just didn't got satisfied with being pacified. And God don't want us to be satisfied with being pacified. He wants to have the real thing, not just the pacifier. He wants to have the milk and the honey. So God wants to bless us. So in order for God to bless us, we got to bless the name of the Lord. So we thank God for you. Thank God for those who came out. Thank God for those who have called in to listen at the service. We pray that the word has been a blessing to one and all. This concludes our lesson on tonight. Pray for us as we continue to pray for you. Pray for us. And if we say something, doing something that has that caused your eyes to open to the word of God or to your walk with God, send us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Our email is nwoflife2002 at yahoo.com. Our address is 32822 State Highway 249 in Pinehurst, Texas. Our zip is 77362. Amen. We thank God for you. May God bless you. May God forever keep you. This is our prayer.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.